Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm Andrew Ivins, National Director of Scouting, joined as always by my guy, Cooper Patagna, and we got a special guest today, Blake Baker, defensive coordinator for Missouri, highest paid assistant coach ever for the Missouri Tigers. He's joining us today. We're going to get into a little bit of everything with him, and, and Blake's a guy that is well-traveled, uh, played at Tulane, has been at Texas, Arkansas State, Louisiana Tech, Miami, LSU, and like I said, now at Missouri Tigers. If you look at some of the advanced metrics, uh, top 25 defense last season, number one in the SEC when it comes to tackles for loss. Blake, man, I know you're out on the road recruiting. I, I thought you'd be in the office right now, but I forgot spring evaluation period's underway. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We had a we had a good spring, and we actually we do spring. Uh, we start spring really fairly fairly early compared to, to other teams. So we've actually been done for about three weeks. So uh, taking advantage of getting out getting out on the uh, road this week. Uh, you you and Cooper guys have some stuff in common. Cooper's a guy from New Orleans. You were at you went to Tulane. Uh, I think you were both displaced by Hurricane Katrina, right? Is that correct? Go to high school, Cooper. Uh, Jesuit. I'm a Jesuit boy. Yeah, so I actually grew up a few blocks away from Tulane on Octavia Street, kind of right off of Claiborne. But, Coach, I, I got to ask you, softball, I mean, 50-cent boot night. I know you're there, let's see, or 50-cent night at the boot, right, 2000 to 2004. Was that still a thing back then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The boot. I, I think that'll always be a thing. Is it still a thing now? <laughs> it's, still, it's still a thing. Bring it back. I know. Hey, play the hits for me. Outside of the boot, what else did they have? They had Bruno's. I mean, what else was thriving back then? Uh, believe it or not, man, my kind of getaway was uh, Miss Mays. Oh, you're ahead of your time. Yeah, do do dollar drinks all at all times. So uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So never a bad spot. That was kind of my. That was kind of my hideout. Um, I guess the Palms right next to the to the boot. So there was a lot a lot of good uptown bars to to choose from there, without a doubt. I tell you what, I tell you what, hey, coach, I, to get back to a you know football question for you, I wonder, you know, when you're going through spring, getting done three weeks early, and now with the new schedule with the transfer portal, you have the second window from April 15th to April 30th, that obviously overlaps with recruiting and being out on the road right uh, right now as well. I mean, did you guys take a step back, look at that and say, hey, strategically, we got to plan our spring around, you know, by the end of this, there might be some areas of our team positions of uh, a need or us addressing depth 
uh, that we really have to, you know, take a look at. And for us, you know, we talked about, hey, having that time in between to assess your roster, maybe meeting with your players, take the temperature of some of these guys, which way they're leaning. I mean, does does that help prepare not only going out, being on the road, but also in the transfer portal second window as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um... – you know, it's kind of the one of the un unseen uh, benefits. You know, that wasn't Coach Drinkwitz has, has kind of done this since uh, I think App State when he was the head coach there, and, and kind of carried it on here as far as the uh, the early spring. But it's definitely been a benefit. Um, you know, like you said, having the opportunity to to really have into the spring um, exit meetings with your current players and and kind of. Uh, you know, shutting the door on spring, letting them know where they stand, where you see them standing uh, in, in the program. Uh, but also, like you said, just getting a, getting a jump on um, the recruiting uh, aspect because kids start entering the portal or at least putting their name that they're going to enter the portal probably a week before uh, the 15th. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think it was, a, it was a benefit from both those. I don't think that was the intent, or I know it wasn't the intent because the portal wasn't even around. You know, it was more so to – have an extra uh, block of uh, a month of, of off-season training going into the season. And then also if a, if a guy were to get hurt, give him an extra month uh, to recover from that injury. And so this is just an, an added benefit to those uh, two. Blake, I mean, we, we got to talk about the portal because it is open, right? We have this this new window. And I think last year you guys were – you're kind of portal of a portal wizard, right? You brought in <laughs> – like six guys that I think contributed right away, you know, Tyrone Hopper, the linebacker out of Florida, um, a bunch of defensive linemen, uh, Joseph Charleston, the, the DB from Clemson, uh, just you being on that side and, and having been in the game for a few years, also been at, like I said, Miami LSU, you know, what goes into from you, the defensive coordinator, I'm sure you got a lot of people under you, but like, how does the initial kind of evaluation process work for a portal guy? Like, all right, we're going to target this guy, or we have this need here. Um, are, are you looking at film or, or, or take us inside that, take the listeners inside that? Cause I think everyone's familiar with like high school recruiting, but the transfer portal is a, a different animal. Yeah. So we basically have um, a whole, a whole, uh, department of, of our recruiting department kind of set aside to make sure that really every kid that goes into the portal um, it's being watched and, and need or no need we're making sure we do our due diligence from from that standpoint so um, every kid that enters the portal to a certain extent obviously I don't think we have the manpower to watch every single kid that's ever entered the portal but um, you know, from Division One, Division One AA schools. Um, sometimes, you know, our, our starting running backs Division Two transfer. So um, that's that's really how how initially it gets started. Um, but then I would say from from that standpoint, from there, it's really about your need. Um, you know, Coach Drinkwitz and 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 I'm 100% agreeance. We want to build it from the from the bottom up. You know, you want to have a great uh, recruiting class from high school players every year. But at the same time, if if you have a need. Um, you're gonna you're gonna explore all those options. So even if we think a player is really really good uh, in the portal, if we don't have a need, we probably wouldn't go on them um, unless we just had extra numbers, uh, maybe at the end of the the um, the signing period. So it really starts from a from a um, you know get eyes on as many many guys as we can, and then how do they fit our team? And then from that standpoint, you know it's almost. Um, it's almost beneficial, you know, being being 
having experience at the, uh, the college level and a staff full of guys with experience because you're usually going to get very honest feedback. You usually know or somebody on your staff usually knows somebody on the staff that they're leaving from. And um, you'll get very, very honest feedback generally. So you have a very good idea of of what you're getting once they once they enter the building from a character standpoint, from a work ethic standpoint. Um, and then, it, you know, it helps also being able to see them play against Division One. Uh, talent They're, you're not necessarily thinking or guessing you know wh- what what level of competition is is he playing on film so I think you you know I think the reason we had a lot of success um, on returning on, on on investment from last year's portal class is probably for all those reasons combined but uh, no it's definitely unique last spring I remember it was like every time I got on the road I was getting called back in to, to uh, host a, a defensive player on an official visit. So this year, hopefully it's a little bit calmer. I think we have um, uh, less needs in, in the portal than we had last year. So uh, hoping hoping to get out here and see some more high school kids than I was able to last year. Coach, from, a, from an official visit standpoint, I wonder if you can add some context to when you have a player on campus who's already played at the collegiate level versus having – a high school player on campus. I know when I was at Washington, Oregon, all these places, that was a lot different feel, the, the transfer visits from having high school players on campus. Do you feel like it's more transactional? Like, and, and when I say that, like both parties kind of understand what's at stake and what they can do for each other. hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's, um, be honest, if, if, if it wasn't, if it was a, a young man that entered the portal and wanted all the, the glitz and glam that they maybe got in a high school official visit, that would kind of be a red flag to me, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, it's a lot more transactional. It's very, um, a lot of times they're shorter, you know, where you usually get the, the entire, uh, 48 hours with a high school kid. A lot of times it's, um, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am for, for lack of better terms, uh, you know, straight to the point. Um, what can you do for me and, and what can we do for you? And, um, very, very much so. I, I definitely agree with that. Tyrone Hopper, uh, linebacker you got last year who who made a bunch of plays for me for you. I mean, he was at at Florida. And if you look up his his bio, I mean, I, I think the year prior, you know, he started for the Gators against the Tigers. I think led led it in, in tackles. Uh, I mean, someone he, he's someone that had a ton of options in the portal. What, what is it like kind of being involved in more of those? high-profile veteran recruitments. You know, it, it, it seems like it's it, – even with NIL now involved, I mean, what's it like kind of – is it all about being kind of one of the first to contact them, or how does that play out? Yeah, I think it, I think from that standpoint, there is a little bit of the same um, same process of recruiting a high school kid, meaning if you had a prior relationship or a previous relationship or a common relationship, like with Tyron, we had just signed uh, his cousin Tyrone, uh, who was really like his brother. So we had that um, going for us. Um, you know, you look at a guy this year that we signed from, <laughs> from Florida, as a matter of fact, Trevez Johnson, I think he'll have a similar type impact for our defense. And it helps when you had a former teammate on his team, uh, from his former team on our team now. So I think anytime you have a, a, um, a built-in common denominator, if you will, that definitely helps. Um, but, you know, you, you usually have a pretty good feel, um, to Cooper's point earlier, as far as, like, transactional. Like, guys, veteran guys, they're, they're not really going to mess around and entertain somebody that they're not truly interested in. So it's, 
you're, you're usually going to know within the first 48, 72 hours if you got a legitimate shot out of a guy uh, from the portal. Coach, on the on the retention part of the process, right, now you have the, you know, for lack of a better term, I guess the uh, transactional uh, acquiring part of the process, right, via the portal. You have the high school process as well, but I don't think a lot of people truly understand how much time, effort, investment in the retention part of your roster is necessary as well. Can you kind of uh, take us behind the scenes a little bit, how important it is to keep a pulse on your players, especially, you know, at the end of the season, right, where you're probably having to monitor some of those younger guys who haven't really gotten the snaps uh, that they anticipated when they signed. And then you got the, you got, you got two portal periods now that you got to be really, uh, you got to have your wits about you, right? Uh, because it's, it's a balancing act with your roster. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you look at us, for instance, this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where we return eight out of 11 starters and all eight of those guys are, are upperclassmen that, you know, had the opportunity to, to declare for the draft or obviously go in the portal as well. Um, you know, so it's a constant recruitment. And then you have young guys like you just talked about on our roster. And again, I'm speaking specifically on the defense side of the ball that, you know, oh, wow, all these guys that started, they're all coming back. So what's my role going to be this year? Um, so to me, it's a constant recruitment. And what I, what I mean by that is constant communication. Um, you know, honesty is the best policy. And and uh, I truly believe that more so than ever. Uh, I think if you if you are BSing a kid, they're going to see through that and, and um, or words going to get back to them that uh, that you are BSing them. So, you know, we try to be very honest um, again that that week of, of being able to have an entire week for into uh, into spring exit meetings uh, with, with kids is very beneficial because you really have time to sit down, show them where they can get better. Um, you know, I'm talking about the younger kids now and, and what their role is going to be, um, what you see it as, and, and, and roles are always changing, but what their role is at this point in time. Um, and then for the older guys, you know, to me, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's really trying to, to recruit them and, and letting them know, um, why they need to come back. I always say if a guy's going to be in a top three draft pick, you know, and, and I tell them to go make their money. But if not, here's where we can get you better. Show them an individual uh, plan on how you can develop them to to increase their value, not only for the University of Missouri and for our defense, but for them in the long run from, from an NFL standpoint. So it's constant recruiting. I mean, it is constant recruiting. And like I said, a lot of that is not not coddling it's it's caring and it's showing them how you're going to get them better and um again kind of like we were talking about recruiting out of the portal um it's very very transactional recruiting you know this is what we can do for you um and this is what you can do do for for uh for us so um it, it's never ending that's for sure <laughs> Blake I don't want to keep hammering you on the portal but I do have one more question and I don't think you were involved in getting this guy to Miami, but you were there when he kind of took a next step. And that's Jalen Phillips, you know, former five-star recruit, you know, top five player, goes to UCLA. It doesn't work out, right? Gets medically disqualified. Um, and, you know, I, I guess, how do you how do you weigh out taking a risk on, on one of those guys, given the current kind of roster restrictions? Like, there's always big names in the portal, but sometimes it's guys that haven't played and 
you said earlier, you know, it's big in, in the film college on college guys and, and you know, your, your portal class. I think you got a guy from Eastern Michigan who's going to start at one of your offensive tackle spots. I mean, DJ Coleman last year for you, he came from Jacksonville State, a, a lower level program. So, you know, is that an argument you have to make or is it really just kind of someone like Jalen Phillips who, you know, turned things around, needed a second chance? You know, how do you, how do you weigh that out? Yeah, I think I think each individual um, uh, person is, is, is its own entity. It's its own case. Um, you know, Jalen Phillips, we kind of did our homework uh, on and, and actually um, Jess Simpson, who was a D-line coach, knew the defensive coordinator at, at UCLA that went on to the Falcons. So we had again, we had some common ground and, and uh, common coaching networks were we were able to just do our due diligence. And I think that's the biggest thing is you doing uh, your due diligence and then making your own educated decision because, um, you know, and, and again, it's, it's, it's similar to high school where um, high school recruiting, the, the more um, ties you have to an area or maybe a specific high school coach, usually you're going to get more reliable information uh, from them. So uh, I think anytime you have, um, a, a very solid, um, I don't want to use the word alibi, but a very solid connection to the kid and you feel really good about the information that you're getting, that, that's usually kind of the thing that puts you over the edge with, uh, with question marks that you may have. Coach, on, on football terms, you go from 106 nationally in total defense in 2021. You jump all the way up to number 34 in 2022. When you got to Missouri, was the feel like were you confident in what you saw on tape? And then for you as a coach, how do you tap into that? And how do you tap in and build that trust to where you see that leap on the field? Something like that in terms of tangible results. All of that has matures in such a quick fashion. Rarely do we see that type of turnaround in, in in less than 12 months. What what was that like for you? And what was the message you wanted to get through to your players that obviously they received? Yeah, it was a lot of fun, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the, the thing that, like, w whenever I get to a new spot, I usually watch about 10 plays of a point of attack. I'll have the GA um, make a, a play, a uh, 10-play cut-up of each player. And, and that's just so I don't I don't want to have a preconceived opinion on, on a young man because I don't know what they've been taught. I don't know who their position coach was. I don't necessarily know uh, maybe what the, the scheme is. So um, that's kind of – but but when I did, when I cut on the, those tapes, I did see talent. The big thing that stood out to me was, um, you know, to be quite frank, I just didn't see very good fundamentals. I, you know, I thought they played hard. Um, you just – you didn't see – you did not see them playing with their hands. You didn't see them keeping a base. You didn't see them staying square. So that was really the battle cry last spring – you know, when I took over was we're going to be very simple and, and it didn't help. I got got uh, and maybe it did help looking back, but got promoted really two days before spring ball started. I think we had two 20 minute walkthroughs and we're trying to install a defense that, you know, versus an offense that had been going on year three. So it was probably a blessing in disguise, uh, just keeping it very simple. Uh, but that was my plan. You know, after watching the tape, that was my plan initially anyway, is just let's get better fundamentally. Um, from a talent level standpoint, um, I thought we were pretty talented and, uh, you know, adding, you know, like we keep talking about some, some key pieces in the, in the portal. Um, I guess after spring, the only piece we really
specifically at it, I believe, was DJ Coleman and maybe Christian Williams, just a couple D linemen. Um, but I thought I thought we had a talent. I thought the kids were hungry, man. I really did. Like, you know, from it was it was kind of unique, but from a um, from a confidence standpoint, um, you know, I, I don't know if it was probably more. It, it, I don't think they lacked confidence, but I don't know if they really knew to, to, you know, and it takes time, just build that trust and respect. And as the spring went on, then they could see how they were getting better individually um, and not even worried about collectively as a whole, how we were doing. I think that's kind of where the, the trust and the respect came from. And then just letting them know that the standard, we weren't going to relent as a coaching staff. I thought our coaching staff did a really, really nice job of bringing energy and, and not letting the little things slide. Um, and I think that all resulted in, in having the season uh, that we had. And it was really cool just watching watching the, the guys as the year went on. You could see the confidence building week to week in, in the belief that they had and what we were doing. Um, so it, it was it was a fun year, and, and hopefully we can build on it. I think, again, having having the guys that we have back, I think we, can, we got a chance to be really special this year. Blake, you run a uh, a pretty aggressive system. We've, we've rattled off all the, the stats and – the TFLs and um, I, I guess not not to give away the entire state secrets, but you know where did your defense come from? What what's kind of the philosophy behind it? And I think for the average college football fan, this is an interesting question because I mean, up until the college football playoff, you guys played Georgia as as close as anyone, right? And, you know, there in, in Columbia. So you know, I, I guess what. <laughs> What, what have you noticed over the years? You called the defense at Miami, you called at Louisiana Tech, and, and now you're running your system. So I just, just what are the principles of the system and how have you adapted it and changed it as we've seen the game shift, you know, to more spread and and all that in recent years? Yeah, I think, you know, if you were to to sum up our defense, you know, as, as simple as you could, is we're going to be an aggressive one-gap defense. Um, you know, we want to be we want to be multiple on the back end um and create issues for we want to play the quarterback not the offensive coordinators so we want to try to confuse the quarterback uh after the ball is snapped um not pre-snap uh but the biggest thing that we try to try to harp on is is letting our kids play fast and letting them play free and 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 play with confidence and i think that probably philosophically that probably comes from i don't know a bunch of different people and maybe me even as a player were like i don't i don't one and I tell our assistant coaches, don't take a kid out if he makes a mistake. Let him learn to play through it. I don't want him to have the fear of getting yanked every single time. Uh, you know, he misfits a run. So I think just um, playing to their playing to their strengths as a, as a play caller, but more importantly, just playing to their personalities. Every kid's kind of got their own personality. Trying to not, I don't want to make a kid be something that he's not. You know. Um, if a, if a guy is not a big vocal leader and, and that he has no interest doing it, then to me, that's fine. We'll find somebody that is interested in doing that. So, um, you know, at a different position, that doesn't mean he's going to, he's going to go to the bench. So, um, but, but, but from a scheme standpoint, I'd say we're, you know, a hybrid four, two, five, that that's an aggressive one gap defense. And we want to change up the picture for the quarterback post snap. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
but it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Coach, how do, you, how do you create a fast and free defense? Because, you know, I'm going to just level with you here. I hear it all the time. People always <laughs> want everybody to play fast and free. It's almost like, to me, being on that side is when you hear – everybody talks about culture, right? Very few have really good ones. And I know you're talking about fast and free. Is that – how do you create that in a practice environment when you got 11 guys all have an assignment, but when it's time to go, they're not thinking very much? I mean – I'm not very smart, so I try to keep it simple for them. <laughs> you know? and, and, and being in 100% transparency, I think, and, and I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to sit back here and say that I do. But I do know when I meet with a lot of different defensive coaches, man, that shit sounds so hard. They make it so complicated. I'm like, it's still 11 on 11. There's only so many things you can do. Um, so we really just try to keep it very simple. I think kind of from our teaching uh, standpoint as well, from a scheme standpoint, I think we do a really good job in this scheme, putting things in buckets. Um, so when they hear a word, they know exactly what we're, what we're playing. And now they got to figure out, you know, what X they are on the field. As I like to say, there's only, there's only 11 X's. So a lot of it is just keeping it simple in our, in our teaching in in our, um, in our buckets. But, um, you know, I'm not a guy that wants to use a thousand different buzzwords to say, like, run to the flat, you know, so around coaches that do that. And it's again, I've been coaching ball a long time. I'm sitting in the room with them and I don't understand it. So to me, that's kind of it's kind of how my brain is wired. And I think that that resonates with with our players. Well, it, it sounds like I mean, you can you can get anyone to fit in right in, in your scheme. Right. You know, you're going to cater to their strengths. So. As you're assembling your defense, right, building out your recruiting board on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, is there some qualifiers that that certain guys have to meet, maybe collectively and then and then certain positions? You know, I think you've recruited, what, linebackers, D-line, safeties? I mean, so you've done it all. I mean, is there certain things that you're, you're like, all right, this guy, it's a must. He's got to be able to do this. As far as, like, measurements or? or anything. Measurements, I mean, speed. I mean, you know, you talked so about playing fast, but. Yeah, the thing that and and it's kind of funny how it all you know defenses or or football you know is, is cyclical, right? So the best advice I've ever been given was when I was at Miami, we would every year meet with with Coach Jimmy Johnson, um, and so I asked him, I said, "Hey, what what was your recruiting philosophy?" Because you kind of you're kind of the originator as far as playing with undersized guys and and a four three defense and and letting them you know. Get, get get in the backfield and create havoc. He said, my only two parameters that I told all assistant coaches, do not me, bring me back a, a kid that's dumb and a kid that's stiff because you ain't changing either one of those. And so that's kind of the philosophy I, I live with. You know, there's guys that come in, in a lot of shapes and sizes, 
um, across the board. And there's certain parameters, especially the closer you get to the ball um, as far as, you know, arm length and size. But, you know, we have a safety that's 6'3", 230 pounds, and, and the guy that's starting next to him is, is 5'11", 195 pounds. So it's also my job is to play um, and as the coordinator, um, making sure we're putting the whoever the best players are in the best position to succeed. Um, you know, if a guy's better at rolling into the box, we're going to roll him into the box more than, than necessarily put him in man-to-man coverage. But the two, I mean, and, and, I, and I'm serious about that. I, if they're dumb and if they're stiff, man, you, you're not out coaching that. So, um, you know, instead of using the negatives, we like to say, will they, will they run and they, uh, will they hit and are, are they, uh, you know, in, in the high school level, can they can they line up the defense for you guys? And, and that kind of answers the questions from from that standpoint. But um, from a measurable standpoint, yeah, there's certain criteria we want. But depending on where you're at from from a, a school standpoint or, um, you know, there's a lot of different factors that that go into deciding um, will his measurables be enough to be successful at the school that they're at. Coach, on that note, like when it comes to second level defenders and I, I think the same thing offensively we talk about the running back position a lot uh, and really how it comes to mid-skill positions running back and defense but I, I feel like there's more of a subjective evaluation that takes place when it comes to linebackers defensively what I mean by that is I feel like there you can the, the ceiling of the player can be raised based on their intangibles and their instincts and their read and react ability as much as you value the physical traits or the speed out of position. I feel like those are two positions but between vision and instincts that I think you have to take into consideration, but they're hard to, they're hard to quantify, right? Because they're subjective. They're not objective markers. I mean, do you, do you feel that same way in the evaluation process as well? 100%. Hey, a, you, you hit the nail on the head. And I always I, I tell people all the time on defense, inside linebacker is the hardest position to recruit because it's very subjective. And a lot of times the guys that have the measurables, you know, that we we're just talking about, a lot of times they're playing at defensive end in high school or um, – you know, outside, you know, what we call a star, like the, the the overhang to the field position. So it's different inside the box. So, like, I'll bring up Corey Flagg, for instance, at, at Miami, who I recruited. Um, had, had really big hands, really long arms, um, you know, but, he, but he's 5'11 um, at best. And, um, you know, from a subjective standpoint, you have to do all your homework. And, and what I mean by that is, Went and saw him practice, um, stood behind him, um, being a former linebacker. Does he see – is he seeing the the box? You know, that's what I always talk about at that position. It's different inside the box. When you – it just happens faster. Everything is very, very quick. And some guys can be phenomenal athletes but can't, can't, see, can't see inside the box. So um, it's very subjective. They're very hard to find. The guys that usually have um, – you know, the measurables that are playing inside, they're, they're few and far between. So they're getting they're getting snatched up pr- pretty quickly, um, you know, from from the blue blood schools. So um, I I think you're spot on with that with that assessment. Blake, you were uh, at LSU before you arrived at, at Missouri there for Ed Orgeron. One linebacker that I, I don't want to say you I, I, I don't know if I'm wrong here, but you kind of I think resurrected his career a little bit. Damon Clark. Right. Um, had, yeah. At yeah, a monster season, ends up getting selected in the fifth round by the Dallas Cowboys. Can you just take us inside? You know what? 
what makes him what he was and and what it was like coaching him up there when you were in Baton Rouge? Yeah, the 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 thing and Damone and I got really and still are really, really close to this day because he was he was a guy when I walked into that building, and this is what I was saying earlier about not having a preconceived opinion on somebody. When I walked into that building, every single person in that building told me he can't play stack linebacker. He can't do it. Can't do it. So I watched again a 10, 15 play cut. I said, well, athletically, I think I think he can do it, but you know, we'll see. Well, he can't process a thousand reasons why he can't do it. And um the one thing about Damone is He's extremely humble. Uh, his confidence was very low. He ended up uh, getting benched that year and, and had all these expectations um, of, of um, you know, living up to this this recruiting status and, and being from, from Baton Rouge. I had a lot of, you know, hometown pressure. So the first thing I had to do was build his confidence. But he was extremely hungry. He, to this day, I, I would say I've never seen a guy take more um, diligent. He's the most diligent note taker I've ever seen. I mean, he's got his highlighters. It, it's phenomenal. He wanted to be great. Um, but again, we just, you know, we started from the fundamentals. Uh, we started from stance. We started from footwork. Um, and then we started from eyes, you know, and, and, and just, again, making it very, very simple. This is this is what your king. This is what your key is telling you to do, and then let your ability take over. And, and again, that's where I think a lot of coaches, you know, there, there's got to be a progression to to how you teach, and then just keeping it very very simple for guys. And um, once I mean, once he honed in on that, on as far as his 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 stance, his his, his footwork, and his eyes then his natural ability t took over. And that's why he was able to have the, the year that he had and his confidence grew as he continued to, again, it starts with fundamentals. Does he continue to believe in the fundamentals? Then it, then it went to his eyes. Once he believed in what he was seeing, then he was able to, to let his guy given ability take over. So that was probably one of the most rewarding years, you know, from watching a guy grow um, both mentally and, and, and on the field as well. It was, it was really, really neat to see. Coach, does your, experience as a player like somebody like Damone Clark like you you you've been on the other side does that drip into who you are as a head coach hey the way that I wanted to be coached when I was at Tulane or the way that I heard things or maybe I received in a way that was easily digestible for me or in a way that hey maybe I had a poor experience and somebody didn't build up my confidence or lost that confidence in me how much has that helped you as a coach on the other side a ton a ton. I mean, I can go back all the way to even high school. Um, man, I, I look back at, at, at my high school coach, um, and he's one of the best football coaches I've ever met to this day. You know, and, and I think back to the just the little things that he taught me and, and keeping it simple and, again, footwork, fundamental stance. And, um, you know, things like we were talking about earlier, there, there was a, a coach at, at a time when I was at Tulane, if, if you messed up, you were getting thrown out of the game. Well, the whole time you're thinking to yourself, don't screw up, you know? So that's, that's where that philosophy comes from. So a hundred percent, I would say um, that, and then just being a young coach. I mean, I was blessed to be around some really, really good um, coordinators. You know, when you look at Will Muschamp, you look at Manny Diaz and then from a head coaching standpoint. So I think all of that kind of, uh, consciously or subconsciously, but you know, um, forms the coach that I am today. But as far as coaching style and, and, um, you know, trying to, you know, I tell my guys all the time, man, there's a time to laugh and have fun. And I probably do that too much, you know, and there's a time to go to work too. And that's just how my personality is. I'd say that's the one thing that I take from me, but outside of that, 
it's it's uh it's probably definitely been subconsciously um you know driven into my to my head the last 20 25 years of my life you brought up manny diaz and, and will muschamp i i totally didn't put the two and two together that you were uh part of muschamp's tree uh manny had an excellent season there at, at, at penn state obviously you work with him at at Miami. Well, I mean, you know, you were there with him. How many congratulatory text messages did you send him after that uh, Rose Bowl? And, and do you think he's a guy that wants to get back in as a head coach? Yeah, I was, I was happy to see him have the, the season they had, man. We, you know, he told me before the year and, and that's why I say like his coaches, you have an idea of what you're going to be. And he felt really, really good about the talent level. And, you know, the uncertainty was he had never been in the big 10. So, he wasn't saying we we're going to finish top five in the country, but he had a good feeling. Um, but yeah, I was, I was fired up to see it. And then for him to play in the Rose Bowl for the first time and, and win it, I know he was really, really excited about that. And I'm sure we'll together down in, uh, down in the keys, down in your, your hood, Ivan's, but no, I'm excited for him. And I do think, you know, and I've never had this discussion, but um, yeah, I think, you know, I think for sure, I think, in my opinion, doesn't matter. But I, I, I think that um, he should have been given more time. But that's the nature of the beast, right, in this profession, because I do think he had things trending in the right direction there. Um, you know, so I think he wants to probably prove that he can do it, not only to himself, but to all the people that said that, that he couldn't do it. So and that that's that's how he's kind of wired. Coach, we, we had your buddy Joe Sloan, quarterbacks coach at LSU, on. You guys <laughs> worked together from – 20, I don't, I don't know the exact years, excuse me. Five, yeah, f five years, Louisiana Tech. And we joke, I, I think we got three or four questions in about 40 minutes with, with the mayor, as they call him in Baton Rouge. But, you know, Joe Sloan had worked, LSU is only his third spot, which is crazy. I think you have more of the typical resume in college football. I think, what is this, uh, stop number seven for you? I, I quit, I quit keeping count a long time. I, I hear you. I've, I've, I've been there. And I, I just wonder, you know, for me, just trying to paint a picture here. I remember when I got my first director job, I was 25 and I was at Washington and I had a lot of confidence that I could do the job, but I also had a lot of insecurities. Two years later, Chris Peterson steps aside. Not a lot of people expected it. And then you're out on the street out of nowhere end up going to Oregon. And for whatever reason, there was so much more confidence and me and myself doing that job after whatever reason that you kind of bottomed out, right? The, the, the worst had happened. You had gotten let go. And in football, we know it's just part of the business, right? If you've been in football long enough, there's a, there's probably a, a, a better than good chance that you've been let go. I just wonder, this is your third stop as a defensive coordinator and talking to you, there's a lot of confidence in who you are, what you represent and what you want your defense to represent. I mean, from the time you were at Louisiana Tech in 2015 to where you are now at Missouri, do you feel like you kind of got the hang of this and you know who you want to be in terms of your defense and, and having confidence in yourself and, and the way your players are going to play for you? Yeah, I think I think like anything in life, right, the more experience you have um, and, and more experience at, at different places um, – Cause every, every job is different, man. Like every job, every job, like Skip Holtz used to always say, every job has its warts, which is true. And every job has its benefits, which is true. And, um, you know, every job has its own unique challenges, um, whether it be recruiting, whether it be conference or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, I think, 
really in, in a weird way last year was was really really cool two years ago i should say at, at lsu you know being a coordinator for for seven straight years six straight years whatever it was and then kind of sitting back and, and kind of being um you know the the earpiece for for Durante jones who's our defensive coordinator that year and kind of just sitting back from a thirty thousand foot view and and seeing uh, how I could help him and, and things that I saw, Hey, you could do better here. And, and he was awesome. He was, he was very, very receptive to anything that I might come to him with, but that year specifically kind of sitting back after being a coordinator for so long and, and thinking, well, you know, I could do this different. I could do that different. It, 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 I think that had as, as much of a impact as being at the three different schools and, and installing new defenses. So, um, but yeah, I think the more experience you get and being in different places definitely helps your, your confidence level and understanding of who you are, what you want your defense to be, um, what that mold is of a certain player that fits your defense. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's true. Well, Blake, I know you got to get back out on the road here uh, and continue to recruit, but I, some quick ones for me. Uh, first one, you know, what is it like, or when did you know Luther Burden, former five-star receiver, was going to be special for you guys? I'm assuming there had to be a moment in, in practice, you just being the D coordinator. And then the second thing is, you know, what, what is life like in the SEC uh, now that you've been there, what, three straight seasons? I mean, I looked at your upcoming 2023 schedule at Georgia, Tennessee at home, you know, games against Arkansas, South Carolina, LSU. Uh, so just, just real quick on those two. Yeah, so it didn't take long to figure out how, how good Luther was going to be. I mean, he was an early enrollee um, last spring, um, and you just saw him making plays instantly. He, he's He's got a really good competitive uh, edge to him. Um, and then just his the, the thing that stands out to me is his late hands on the deep ball. I mean, his 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 go get it ability and his focus on those last six inches of, of, of bringing in the tough catches is extraordinary. And I think those are the two things that really separate, you know, him. If you put him in a in a combine, I think, you know, he'll be in the upper level. I don't know if he'd be like the number one dude at anything specifically. But when you talk about his competitive edge and his ball skills, I, I'd put those in the top one percentile in the in the world. You know, he's he's phenomenal at that. So it didn't take long to figure that out last spring. And, um, you know, as far as being in the SEC, man, it's it's the closest thing to the NFL you can you can be. And what I mean by that is um, obviously the, the talent level, but the the parity, man, when you look at the games that we won or lost last year in the SEC, they're almost all, all you know, within seven or 14 points. So, um, you know, the margin of error is very, very thin. And, and I love it. You know, as a coach, man, you're looking for every single advantage you might possibly get for that Saturday. That could be the difference in, in the game. You're very seldom going to go out there on a Saturday and, um, you know, just be physically dominant over anybody else in this league. So um, it, it's it's a lot of fun as a coach. And, and the, the other cool part of it is just the – the amount of focus that the, the the players have, you know, they know every single week is going to be a war. So there's not a mental letdown like, oh, we got a cupcake on our schedule this week. Like, no, it, it's not possible. So you see them keep a, a, a mental edge uh, throughout the entire season, which is really, really cool. Coach, last question for you. Best recruiter you've ever been around? Oof. It's a good one. Best. I've been around some good ones. Ephraim Bandas, he's he's relentless now. 
he's he's taking his talents to the NFL, but I'd put him up there. Um, Kevin Curtis, who's at Baylor, uh, he does a phenomenal job, really mentoring the, the recruits throughout the throughout the uh, you know throughout the entire process. Um, and Joe Sloan's pretty good; he's pretty relentless as well. I mean, there's I, I've been I've been around some good ones. Um, you know, recruiting's really changed so much too in the last ten years. Where you know, even five years ago, it was so so relationship based and where now kids are more apt to choose a school based off maybe NIL or, or, um, you know, conferences always played a role into it. But, um, yeah, those are probably Corey Raymond, Corey Raymond's a stud. I'd say those are my top guys just, and I'm thinking of one at each place I've been at, you know, I could name, I could name a, a bunch, but, um, those are probably the top ones I've been around. That's a good list you got there. Like Joe Sloan, who like that. <laughs> but it's kind of unique seeing like Corey and and um, you know Corey and, and Kevin are more laid back, where Joe and and uh, Ephraim, you know, are are bulldogs, man. So it depends too on the kid. Like some kids like the more laid back guys. Some kids like the the relentless nature of recruiting. So you kind of kind of figure that out too. And sometimes you you might stick one recruiter on the kid that wants the laid back one and vice versa. So, but all different, all different recruiting styles, but all very effective. Well, coach, we, we appreciate you coming on and, and talking about the portal and, and just your defensive philosophy. I, again, I think a lot of people don't realize what your unit did in, in 2022. And it sounds like you think 2023, I mean, eight of 11 starters back, you, you add some new in there. I mean, are you expecting a, another competitive year there in, in the SEC East? I am. I am. You know, I've, I've talked to our guys about, you know, we're not going to sneak up on anybody because the expectation level, you know, going into last season wasn't very high from people outside of our building. So, um, you know, there's going to be people zeroed in, um, you know, on what we do. And I'm sure there's some coaches that probably some are scouted us that maybe, you know, didn't have that ability last year of being a, a, a new coordinator. So um, we're going to have a different set of challenges, but I, I, I um, I'm extremely confident in, in our group of young men. There, there, there's some really good football players in this unit. Well, Blake, we'll let you go, uh, go get some barbecue. I, I always see that on the Instagram. You hit in the barbecue restaurants when you're recruiting. We appreciate you big time for joining us. Absolutely. Appreciate y'all having me on gentlemen. Well, there you have it. Blake Baker, transfer portal guru, or at least a guy that's found success. I know transfer portal is all the buzz right now at 24-7 Sports, right, Cooper? We come out with these 2025 rankings, and you go on the website, it's all talking about the transfer portal. Uh, but an interesting character and a, a confident individual, as you noted. Chill-ass dude, man. I like him. That's the first time I've ever talked to him. But um, you know you know what I appreciate about him? I thought he was very candid, very genuine, very authentic. I didn't think he sidestepped any of the questions that we asked, especially when it came to the portal and the transactional nature of the portal. In Missouri right now, Andrew, you and I just got done talking six and seven. This feels like a season they need to they need to put it together, right? Uh, two postseason appearances in the last two years. Still haven't been able to get over that hump yet in the SEC, Eli Drinkwitz. But this guy can coach, man. Yeah, you look at the resume, it's kind of like a winding road. You know, he's got the, the five years of Louisiana Tech and then with Manny Diaz and then obviously at Miami. Uh, still under the Manny Diaz tree, did some good things. I mean, Drew, you brought up guys like Jalen Phillips and Shaq Quarterman, right? Um, First-round draft pick, a fourth-round draft pick, Damon Clark, we talked about him at LSU. To me, that was one of the last questions that we asked, and 
it really wasn't even my intention, the answer I got back, but I thought one of the more interesting things he said was how much he learned from the one year at LSU yeah. where he was just a position coach, right? And that he could take a step back from 30,000 feet and then really kind of spectate on, all right, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and this is what I would do different. And that's what's kind of helped him during this new stop at Missouri. Yeah, it kind of makes you think about, all right, you see those guys that are let go places and they join, you know, Alabama or or now it's Georgia as, as an analyst, but it allows for them to kind of recalibrate and uh, pick up on different things. But no, uh, Blake's got known for for a while. Um, so that was awesome and and uh, glad we got him on. And it, it's funny because we didn't even know him and Joe Sloan were, were close prior to all that, right? Uh, really not too much, but I, you know what's funny? We should probably do a little bit of a deeper dive on that Louisiana Tech staff. I mean, yeah. those weren't the only two guys there, correct? I mean, you had uh, Diaz there, Sloan brought up uh, Bob Diaco as well. It sounds like they had a lot of really talented coaches going in and out of Ruston, Louisiana, out of all places. Yeah, Blake is actually the first person that taught me how to use Wi-Fi calling because he said when he was in <laughs> he was in Ruston, like there was no cell service. Uh, I'll never forget that. Uh, and 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 who knows, maybe if Joe becomes a head coach or he were to become a head coach, I think one of those guys could be on – Either or staff, you know, we could be. I think you give it two or three years. I mean, I here's the thing Joe Sloan, after this season, he's not a well kept secret anymore. People in Baton Rouge really love him. Listen, we just came out with our 2025 rankings today, expanded from top 100 to top 247. The number one quarterback in that class is Bryce Underwood, right? He's sitting at number six in the country from Michigan. Andrew, last time we were on this show, you were talking about how Bryce Underwood, last time you saw him, he had an LSU towel on and LSU cleats. Yeah. Listen, the, the the profile of Joe Sloan, especially if LSU can find a way to replicate what they did on the field last year, I think he's going to be a hot commodity, um, not only as a, as a name to know, but potentially maybe one of the hottest names when it comes to offense coordinator. Tigers need to continue to do what they're doing, but listen, with – Jaden Daniels coming back, uh, a strong offensive line unit going into their second year. No shortage of playmakers on the outside with guys like Malik Neighbors leading the charge. I think he's – it's a name to know. And then Blake Baker on the other side, I mean, doesn't get much better. I mean, you, you said it. He's the highest paid assistant in the history of the program, making $1.2 million a year. That's going to be an escalator as well. I was just reading up on that contract year in and year out. So both those guys are in pretty good spots right now. For sure. Well, we'll keep the guests coming. Can you close this out of this thing, Cooper? I, I normally don't have the, the close down. That is your Absolutely. Job. <laughs> yeah, I'll take us out here. All right, guys, you're listening to, to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Guy you just heard, that's the director of scouting of 24-7 Sports. I'm National Recruiting Analyst, Cooper Tagna. And for our producer, Lance Glenn, we'll see you next time. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.